Welcome to the Simple Money, Simple Life podcast. I am Matt Erickson, and I'm your host. This is a podcast where we explore how simplicity beats complexity, especially in money matters. We explore investing, personal finance, and how to live a simple and awesome life. Welcome to episode number five, titled Beware of the Diderot Effect. The famous French philosopher Denise Diderot lived nearly his entire life in poverty, but all that changed in 1765. Diderot was 52 years old, and his daughter was about to be married, and he could not afford to provide a dowry. Despite his lack of wealth, Diderot's name was well known because he was the co-founder and writer of the most comprehensive encyclopedias of his time. When Catherine the Great, the Empress of Russia, heard of Diderot's financial trouble, she offered to buy his library from him for £1,000, which is approximately $50,000 in today's dollars. Suddenly, Diderot had money to spend and to spare. Shortly after this lucky sale, Diderot acquired a new scarlet robe. That's when everything went wrong. Diderot's scarlet robe was beautiful. So beautiful, in fact, that he immediately noticed how out of place it seemed once surrounded by the rest of his common possessions. The philosopher soon felt the urge to buy some new things to match the beautiful robe. He replaced his old rug with a new one from Damascus. He decorated his home with beautiful sculptures and a kitchen table. He bought a new mirror to place above the mantel, and his straw chair was relegated to the chamber by the leather chair. These reactive purchases have become known as the Diderot effect. The Diderot effect states that obtaining a new possession often creates a spiral of consumption, which leads you to acquire more new things. As a result, we end up buying things that our previous selves never needed to feel happy or fulfilled. Now, as we explore the Diderot effect today, I think it's something that we can all relate to. I think each one of us in our lives have fallen prey to the Diderot effect. Sometimes it's by conscious choice, it's something we want to do while other times it's more accidental or unconscious, or we slip into this trend. I want to explore a few ways that I've seen the Diderot effect play out in my life and in the lives of my friends and those around me. I am not passing judgment on any of these examples. I'm just stating that they are examples of the Diderot effect. Uh, The first one I'd like to bring up is the purchase of a boat. Now, Where I live here in Utah, boats are very popular. There's a lot of people who own boats. It's something that a lot of families enjoy doing. But think about buying a boat. Uh, Buying a boat, you would need to buy also a trailer. You would need to buy a cover for the boat. You would probably need to buy wakeboards and ropes and water skis and tubes. You'd need to buy the throw rope to throw out. You would need to buy a truck for your hitch. A hitch for your truck, I mean. Sorry about that. And you'd also probably need a truck to pull your boat. Uh, you would need extra gas to pay for the boat and also for your truck in pulling the boat. You would need to play buy boat storage for the off-season. You would need to buy insurance for the boat. If you didn't pay cash, you'd obviously have extra payments for the boat. And then also you'd have to dedicate the time to make sure you're boating to get the money out of your investment, and also the stress of loading, unloading, 
cleaning, maintaining, and repairing the boat. So the simple as, as someone is out on a lake and they see someone on a boat, it just looks magical and fun, and it is. I've been on lots of boats and had a lot of fun on them. But often we don't step, stop and think about all the considerations that go into buying a boat. So another one I would like to talk about is something we're considering doing in our house, which is replacing the countertops. Now, if you replace the countertops in your home and they look all shiny and nice, then you might look at your carpet and think, ah, that old carpet just doesn't look very good next to these brand new countertops. Or, ah, the paint on my walls just doesn't quite measure up. Oh, the couch over here needs to be replaced because it doesn't look as nice as the new countertops. Or maybe the appliances are a little outdated and feel like you need some new appliances to go with the countertops. That would be another example of the Ditero effect. Another couple I can think of is when one buys a new house. Oftentimes we feel like we need to fill the house with new furniture, new appliances, have to put in a yard. <clears throat> Excuse me, there's definitely a spiraling sense of consumption when we buy a new house. Think of something as simple as buying a new outfit. Uh, you might feel like you need new shoes to go with that outfit or a new belt or a new bag or purse or new earrings. Think about when we buy a new car. Oftentimes we'll feel like we need to wash the car more often, for example, or put premium gas in the car, which is more expensive. Obviously the insurance price is going to go higher will be more stressed and worried about scratches on the car. Maybe some new things to go inside the car, like a new first aid kit or a new umbrella or a new blanket, new charging cords, a new flashlight. I think about sometimes when we start a new diet. We might want to buy new exercise equipment, a treadmill or an elliptical or a bike. We might want to purchase special food to go with our diet or a foam roller. Let's consider some hobbies that sometimes we might get into, something I've done in the past, fly fishing. You buy a fly fishing rod. Well, it's not as simple as just showing up and going fishing. You need to tie flies. You need to get the tie flying equipment. You need to get a fishing vest, some waders, fishing license. Uh, let's say uh, one example we could throw out there is someone is building a pergola in their backyard. If you don't know what a pergola is, you can Google it. It's a fine looking structure that oftentimes people put in their backyard. Say you buy a pergola. Well, I need a shade to provide extra shade on the pergola, or I might need some new chairs or tables. I might want to throw in a hot tub on the, under the pergola or a new grill and some lights to hang. Another one we could consider that used to be really popular, and I think people have started to catch on to this danger, is buying a new timeshare. Timeshares tend to be really expensive, and they're often sold, not bought. We often, uh, they're typically sold by luring someone into a steak dinner, a free steak dinner, or a free night stay at a place, at a resort. And then, I've been to a few of these, so I know how they work. And then they pull out the full court pressure to try to convince you of why you must live with a timeshare. But let's say you buy a timeshare. Well, 
you're stuck with the timeshare. They're very hard to sell after you have one. And then you will be charged not only the amount of the timeshare, which when I looked at one, it was over $10,000, but you also have a yearly cleaning fee you have to pay. And then you have to consider the expenses to get to your timeshare. It might be flight or gas, plus the time off from work and the stress that it might cause to feel like you have to use that timeshare even when maybe you don't really want to. And one last example might be something like my son is considering getting a season ski pass at our local ski resort here. So buy a ski pass, well, then we have to think about, well, I need snowboard or boots, pants, coat, goggles, hat, gloves, everything that's needed to go with that. So one thing that as we go through life and we make purchases, it's important to stop, be mindful, consider the Diderot effect, consider the possible spiraling of consumption or purchases that could happen because of one thing we thought we needed. Again, I'm not saying any of those examples are things you shouldn't do, but I'm just saying there are examples of how we can fall into this pattern of consuming when we maybe didn't intend to. Now I'd like to dive into exploring a few ways to combat the Diderot effect. One is avoid unnecessary spending. So, and this goes back to being mindful and being aware and being conscious of what you're spending money on instead of mindlessly doing that. So as you go to stores, I think it's wise to have a plan of what you plan to spend or maybe a list of what you're going to buy and to not allow yourself to just mindlessly spend online or in the store or in the mall or wherever you like to go. The second idea I'd like to explore a little bit is to defeat the urge to buy things you don't need when led by emotion. I think it's wise, especially on larger purchases, to stop, pause. Oftentimes our emotions cause us to want to buy things. We get a dopamine hit after we buy something, and then often we're left to feel the pangs of buyer's remorse. So if we're feeling that emotional surge to buy something, especially if it's expensive, my suggestion would be to stop, breathe, pause, wait 24 hours, and consider coming back to it later. The next idea about how to combat the Diderot effect is to be mindful of advertising unplanned purchases, impulse buying. Advertisers are clever. They're on our social media feeds. They're on our Google searches. They're in front of us in newspapers and on billboards. Just be aware of what they're trying to convince us that they, that trying to help us feel like we need something. Don't be manipulated by the advertisers. The next one is to simply reduce exposure. A few ways we can go about doing this is to maybe unsubscribe from emails that might try to lure us into such things. Maybe don't go to the mall. Don't go shopping when we don't have the money to do so. Another one is to, another idea is to develop a simple wardrobe. Keep it small and simple. This is one thing I like to do. I have a very small and simple wardrobe. I've discovered over the years that 
most people only wear about 20% of their wardrobe. And so if you're able to identify what that 20% is you really like, like what kind of pants do you really enjoy wearing? What kind of shirts do you feel really comfortable in? What kind of shoes do you really like? I've honed in on exactly what my uniform or wardrobe is. And I've stopped buying the things that just might pop out at a store. I'm aware of what I choose to buy. And I make sure it fits into what I feel good in and what I'm comfortable in, what feels good against my skin. And I don't buy that many clothes anymore because I found that I wasn't wearing a lot of them and I would just get rid of them. And so be aware of your wardrobe and consider um, maybe you could research a capsule wardrobe. There's a lot of information online about that. And considering something that really honing into what you like to wear. The next thing is to be aware of the back to school shopping scams. We just went through this time of year. So I think a lot of parents feel societal pressure that's kind of been passed down from generation to generation about my kids need all new school clothes, they need new socks, they need new shoes, they need new underwear, they need new binders, paper, folders, and on and on the list might go. This year we were a little more mindful of our school shopping when our three boys went back to school. And we did not buy a whole new wardrobe for them. We bought a few new things here and there, but we didn't feel the need to go out and buy everything new. After the first week of school, everything's used anyway. So it's a good opportunity to be mindful and not be excessive and waste when you don't really need to and maybe when it isn't in the budget. Another one I would like to review really quick is holiday shopping or Christmas shopping. So often we might buy something and it we feel like we have to buy another thing to go with it or more and more and more. And I think it's wise to have a plan around this kind of event, keep it simple, and not let the Diderot effect take over. I touched on this rule, I think, in another podcast, but the one-in-one-out rule, which helps us to not acquire too much stuff and possessions around us, which if you buy a new shirt, uh, donate one. If you bring in a new couch, find someone in need to give one of your other couches too. It's the one in, one out rule. I think the main key in all this is to have personal awareness and to not mindlessly buy, but to stop, ask ourselves why are we wanting to buy this item? If it's to keep up with the Joneses or to impress someone that we don't even know or to show that we have arrived as a professional or to, because our neighbors have one and we feel like we need to have one. Be aware of why you're buying what you're buying and if it lands on one of those emotional categories where we're trying to deal with an insecurity that we have or a childhood issue that we have, pause and consider if that's really going to help you feel happier. I'm a firm believer in money as a tool to help provide us experiences and provide us happiness, but it can produce the opposite if we fall prey to the Diderot effect where we're consuming in a spiral fashion and we don't know how to stop it. Remember, minimizing possessions to what you really use 
and what you like is a strategy that I think is, is very, very wise. Most homes have over 300,000 items in them. If we can pause, make sure we surround ourselves with possessions that we either like or are useful and that we um, use often, I think we'll feel less stress and we'll feel happier and we'll feel less buyer's regret. If we're surrounded in our house by a bunch of clutter that we don't like and it causes stress, we'll probably be have constant stress on our minds about buyer's remorse. Why did I buy this? Why this doesn't look good in my home? This doesn't this outfit does not look good on me or whatever it might be. So be mindful of how you live, how you buy, how you um, construct your home and possessions you bring into it. Make sure there are things you truly enjoy and that you use. And also keep in mind that as human beings, I think at least in the United States, we're kind of wired and taught to want more and not less. And it's time to become aware of our patterns and choose how we really want to, to live. Like I think it's valuable to find joy and satisfaction in less and in the simple and in um, practical instead of in excess or more or never enough. And one thing to keep in mind is I think simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. I remember I was at a friend's house one time and they were serving a nacho bar with uh, chips, cheese, and they had pretty much every topping under the sun. They had pulled pork and hamburger and sour cream and all these other ingredients. And sometimes when I go to into a situation like that, I tend to want to try a little of everything. So I put a little of this, a little of that, and before I knew it, my nachos were covered in tons of different ingredients. And as I was eating it, I couldn't really taste the different ingredients because they all melded together. And I thought to myself, you know, a simpler approach to this would have been tastier. Instead of throwing every ingredient on here, I could have chosen three or four or five and gone with that. But I think that often happens in life is we just add more and more and more to our schedule, to our life, to our house, to our yard, to our garage. And before we know it, we're buried in possessions and not enjoying any of them. It's interesting that we're, as I said, we have a natural tendency to be want to fill our homes with more, fill our lives with more. Uh, we are rarely looking to, to downgrade or to simplify or to eliminate or to reduce. And our natural inclination is to accumulate, to add, to upgrade, to build upon. And so one of my hopes in this podcast is to challenge us to consider the opposite, consider simplifying your life, consider downgrading, consider reducing, consider like I, my, my wife and I had the opportunity to do some things in our garage recently and it's a 45 year old garage and it needed some upkeep, it needed some paint, it needed some help, needed new shelves, needed a lot of work and my wife did an awesome job on working on it and did a lot of the work and I helped out as well. And we reduced a lot of possessions in our garage. We 
got rid of a lot of things that we don't use and our garage is fairly empty now and it actually feels really good. It looks really good too. And so it's just a reminder to me that my personal wiring is I feel better surrounded by less rather than more. Uh, Dennis Diderot, who we talked about earlier, <clears throat> had a quote that I'd like to share. He said, poverty has its freedoms, opulence has its obstacles. One of the reasons I love to ride my mountain bike is it's very simple. Once we have our bikes, that's kind of all we need. And we don't need, at least the way we ride, we don't need a lot of equipment. We need a helmet, some gloves, and a mountain bike. And we can use that over and over and over again for fun, for satisfaction, for enjoyment. And it's one possession that I truly enjoy and love because it doesn't lead me to spiraling consumption. It leads me to a lot of great experiences and a lot of joy. That will be all for today's episode. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Please go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show. You can follow the show on Instagram at simplemoney_simplelife. And remember, the simple life is a good life.